In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. There's a lot in scripture about hearts. Maybe you can think about a couple of places where that shows up. This morning in Proverbs is certainly not the only place. There's quite a few other passages. Particularly in Hebrew scriptures, we often hear about the hardness of heart of the Israelites, right? And of course, whenever we hear that, we have to think about the own, our, our own hardness of heart, the things that we carry, because of course, it's not just the people of Israel. That's who scripture is concerned about, but it's pointing to a larger human truth about our hardness of heart. In the last couple of weeks, I've referred to it in this season that we're in, in this moment that we're in, where you know everything is divisive and everything is hard. I've referred to it as the crispiness around the edges, that we're just a little crispy. But there's plenty of other places in Scripture where this idea of hearts come up. Perhaps a passage from Ezekiel will ring a bell. God says through Ezekiel to the people of Israel, I will take out your heart of stone and I will replace it with a heart of flesh, which is a great image. There's still other places in Hebrew scriptures where God promises to write God's law on our hearts. And the idea behind that is that it makes us one people, one body, all of us connected and bound together by the very same commandments that Proverbs is mentioning this morning. There's something about our hearts and the ways that we carry God in them and with us that makes us one people. This morning, like we do every year as we begin our program year, we hear the story of St. Matthew, for obvious reasons, right? The truth is there isn't all that much that we know about Matthew. Usually with some of the other saints, there's other sort of threads in tradition to pick up, stories that may not be in scripture, but that are still present in the larger story of our faith. And with Matthew, there really just isn't a lot. Most of what we know, we heard in the text this morning, that Matthew was a tax collector sitting at a booth, and Jesus comes along, and at this point in Matthew's gospel, that's important, we'll come back to that, at this point in Matthew's gospel, Jesus has been walking around healing everybody. Before this, he heals a paralytic. After this, he goes and heals a woman who's been hemorrhaging for years. And someone comes to plead for the life of their daughter, and without even seeing her, he says, she's fine, go home. And it's true. So this calling of Matthew is in the middle of tremendous things that Jesus is doing, sort of at the beginning of his ministry, but calling attention to the fact that he is someone different, that he has power that they've never seen before. Perhaps that's why Matthew gets up. Maybe not. There's something about that moment, though, between Matthew and Jesus where the follow me is enough. And the truth is, that would have been really hard for Matthew, just in the same way that I think it's very hard for all of us. As a tax collector, Matthew was someone who was viewed as being corrupt and sort of like a traitor. 
he collected the taxes from his people that he handed over to the Roman emperor. And the stereotype of these people is that they would line their pockets at the same time. So they would take more from their tribe, from their people, from their brothers and sisters, for themselves, because no one was going to go after them, and only give what they had to. And so these folks ended up with a decent amount of wealth and a decent amount of power and prestige, even though they were sort of hated by their own people. So for him to just get up from the tax booth and follow this Jesus is sort of a miraculous thing. He's giving up his station, his power, his privilege, his easy money, you might say. But he does, he just gets up and he follows Jesus with two little words, follow me. And the text goes on to tell us that this move doesn't make a lot of sense to the Pharisees. And the truth is, though they probably didn't want to present this side in the gospel, it probably didn't make a lot of sense to the disciples either. There was probably some grumbling in the disciples as well, that Jesus was calling these, quote, tax collectors and sinners, that they were going to be part of Jesus's inner circle. Because, of course, the Pharisees, and maybe at this point, because remember, it's still early, the disciples probably also believed that it was better to have the pious, righteous, saintly, good people. Why isn't Jesus eating with the religious and the faithful? Why is he eating and hanging out with tax collectors and sinners? Perhaps his heart is just a little bit bigger than ours. Perhaps in him that prophecy comes true that the heart of flesh was taken out of us, the heart of stone was taken out of us and transformed into a heart of flesh. Perhaps that's what we see in Jesus after all, as he makes his way around the country healing people, as he sits and eats with the people that everyone else judges and casts aside, as he breaks all of these social and religious norms in order to welcome people and create more room, perhaps that finally is what we see. It's the fulfillment of God's prophecy from Ezekiel, that the heart of stone that is so present in us becomes in Jesus a squishy, soft, vulnerable, breakable, easy to bleed, heart of flesh. So the question for us then this morning hangs on that moment for Matthew. What is it that lets him get up and follow Jesus? What is it that creates that transformation for him? Perhaps it's that he can see, because he's with Jesus, that something is different about this person. He wants to be a part of it. Perhaps it's that he knows that pieces of his life need to be reformed, that he's not who he wants to be, that he doesn't live in the world the way he wants to. Perhaps he just needs something new, a new hope, a new breath of fresh air. Perhaps he's feeling a little hard and a little crispy around the edges, too. Whatever it is, I think at the core of it is this transformation from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And Proverbs tells us this morning that at the core of that is the keeping of God's commandments. As Christians, that's much of what our life is about learning how to journey day by day, figuring out how to 
keep God's commandments, figuring out how to be good disciples, figuring out how to follow Jesus and how to hold this truth that is our faith as close to our hearts as we can, a little bit more every day. So this morning I have something for you. It's a little ironic, but I'm going to go with it. After the service, as you either find your name tag for the first time, put your name tag back if you have it on this morning, or fill out the form to get a name tag, which is out there, or put it back and put it in the basket so that we can put it back. I'm going to take the top off the baptismal font out there and invite you to hunt around for your own little heart of stone. And if you're watching us online this morning, send me an email and I'll send you one. There are several different colors, several different patterns. They actually are stone. And I'm going to ask you to take it with you and put it somewhere. Put it in the cup holder of your car, glue it to the front of your fridge, put it in your pocket, put it in your purse. Put it somewhere where you will see it and find it and feel it and let it remind you of the journey that you're on with God, of the heart of flesh that beats for you, that loves you unconditionally, the Jesus who will always make room for you at the table and room for you in the, in the kingdom. But let it remind you, too, of your own heart and a very simple prayer, a very simple desire that your heart, in the places where it's broken, in the places where it hurts, in the places where it's crispy, Ask for God to transform it into a soft, squishy, vulnerable, easy to break, easy to bleed, heart of flesh. Because ultimately, as Christians, we believe this not only transforms us, but it transforms the world around us. As we begin this new year together, which is always one of my favorite parts of the program year, the start as we set the tone and start to move through this journey together. I want to encourage you and us to have these commandments, these laws, these hopes, this love of Jesus in our hearts. Because it is the most powerful thing in the world. And it will change us. And it will change the world around us. If we can learn how to open our hearts up like his to the place where there's room for everyone at the table and everyone belongs. So don't forget, before you leave, pick up your little heart of stone. And this year we'll pray together that these hearts in here might be made of flesh. Amen.